0: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
2: Welcome to Episode 180 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic today is Growing Up with a Mother with Schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is a serious mental illness that affects 1% of the population worldwide. Schizophrenia affects men and women. Schizophrenia is often associated with psychosis. This is a mental state which causes loss of contact with reality, and that often involves hallucinations like Hearing voices when no one has spoken, hearing sounds when there is no sound being made, feeling bodily sensations that aren't occurring, seeing patterns that aren't there, smelling odors in air that's fresh. Schizophrenia interferes with the ability to think clearly, to manage emotions, to make decisions and to relate to other people. Schizophrenia impairs a person's ability to achieve their full potential, especially when it isn't treated. Schizophrenia treatment requires a plan of care tailored to the person's needs, involves finding the right medication, includes rehabilitation for school, work and relationships, requires support from someone who's lived with schizophrenia, and it requires employment and housing opportunities. And schizophrenia treatment also involves family caregiving to support recovery and help the family care, family member to manage the symptoms, which is why our topic today, growing up with a mother with schizophrenia, is so important. To discuss it, our guests are Anika and Sakina Francis. Now, Anika was first exposed to schizophrenia at the age of three when her mother, Sakina, was diagnosed with it. She experienced schizophrenia's ravaging effects as she tried to support her mother and cope with the emotional roller coaster. To make sense of her own world, she cultivated a powerful drive and focus. She excelled academically and went to an Ivy League college where she discovered her love of learning and writing. And now Anika owns an Atlanta-based company that focuses on transformational learning. And she's written a book, Loves All That Makes Sense. Now, Sakina developed schizophrenia over 30 years ago. She struggled to cope with her illness and was in and out of mental hospitals. She's been in recovery for the past 15 years, and she's now a mental health advocate. She's passionate about raising awareness of mental illness and eliminating its stigma she serves on the national alliance on mental illness multicultural advisory board in cleveland and she's given over 50 speeches sharing her experiences of living with schizophrenia and of being in long term recovery so welcome to the show anika and sakina
3: thank you dr athley
2: right Now, I'm going to start with Anika, please. Please, would you tell us more about your work and your career in writing and traveling?
3: Well, Dr. Atherley, I wear several hats professionally. I've always liked doing a lot of different things. But my earliest passion was for learning. When I was young, my grandmother was a teacher, and we just I loved to learn, and she was always teaching me something. So I've been very blessed to translate that into a career as a learning consultant. Um, About eight years ago, I got my Master's of Education in Instructional Design, so I develop learning solutions for companies, so I design training programs, e-learning courses, so these days, most of my writing is kind of geared towards creating these training materials, um, as well as the book that I wrote with my mom, and two years ago, I started my own consulting company um, where I work on developing learning solutions for companies. So that's one of the things that I do. Um, My other passion is teaching yoga. Yoga is something that I've practiced for the past 10 years, and I've been teaching for the last five years. And I've recently gotten certified as a yoga therapist. And yoga played a really big role in my own healing process. So one of the things that I really enjoy about teaching people yoga and yoga therapy is that I truly believe that we can heal ourselves, and to me, yoga gives us a lot of tools to do that, so I really uh, enjoy working with people on that.
2: Right. Sakina, please tell us more about your work and your career as a mental health advocate.
4: Okay, Dr. Ali. Well, I give speeches, and um, a serious mental illness is a very serious subject, and I always like to start off with something a little light. Can I tell you a brief joke? Please do. What did one eye say to the other eye? Go on. (laughs) There's something between us, and it smells.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Very, I love it.
4: (laughs) Okay, good. And, Dr. Adderley, I'm just getting over the flu, and I have a slight cough, but I've just taken something for it, so hopefully hopefully it won't interfere with anything. But, okay, getting on to the show, uh, my name is Sakina, and I grew up in a middle-class family here in Cleveland, Ohio. In high school, I was the prettiest girl. At graduation, I went to college, homecoming queen my senior year. After graduation, I married uh, my high my college sweetheart, um, had two daughters. I worked in Atlanta in a high-paying accounting job, and that's when mental illness began. I um, was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And even though I can hardly believe it, my 12 years of crisis days included having my daughter, my youngest daughter die, separated from my husband, I attempted suicide, I was penniless; lo and behold, I was homeless three days, I held and lost jobs, and I was often on my mental health medicine. It's so great and I feel so good because I've been in recovery for 15 years now. And for the last five years, I've been a mental health advocate for NAMI. After a job I went to went bankrupt, I uh, couldn't find another job. The job was working in a nursing home with activities, and I just loved it. After I worked there four years, I told the boss that, you know, I take mental health medicine. I just wanted her to know. She said, well, we did not know. I worked another four years, so I worked at that job eight years. Until it closed, and nothing ever happened. Um, At NAMI, I called and I volunteered there, and they had a speakers bureau. They had a speaking a training on inner own voice, where you do speeches to uh, policemen, uh, nurses, uh, FBI. And my first one was to policemen, and I was nervous about talking, but they gave me very big compliments from it. So that was very good.
2: In other words, your career was launched. Now, we're going to talk more about that later on, but I want to go to Anika now, and I want you to tell us about your book, Loves All That Makes Sense, why you wrote it, and who you wrote it for.
3: Well, we're really excited um, because my mother and I recently published a memoir that's titled Loves All That Makes Sense, and in it, my mother writes a series of letters to me, and she described what it was like for her when she was first diagnosed with schizophrenia over 30 years ago. And she talks about how schizophrenia devastated her life and she talks about the tough road that she had to long-term recovery. And then I respond by just describing what it was like for me to grow up with a mother with schizophrenia and the impact that that had on me well into adulthood. And what I've learned just from working on the book is that my mother wasn't the only one who was emotionally and psychologically traumatized by her mental illness. I was too. Um, And in a lot of ways, I didn't, I don't even think I fully realized that um, until I started working on the book. And it's really interesting because as I looked back, you know, kind of where the title came from is that there were a lot of times in our lives where our world was really turned on its head. And the thing that made sense for us, even when everything else just seemed to be out of control, was love. And it was the love that my mother had for me, as well as the love that our family had for us, and it really held us together. And that was a big part of the reason, you know, that we were able to share this
2: story. Now, Um, I'm going to just stop you there, because mm -hmm. I want to come back to the book in a moment, but I want to bring Sakina in, just, just, just quickly, because... Where do the speeches that you made for the National Alliance on Mental Illness fit into this picture, and what are the messages that you want your listeners to hear when you're making the speeches?
4: Well, um, when I speak, a lot of them want to know what to do, and, okay, um... For uh, when I speak to the policemen, they want to know what to do when they find a person in crisis. And I told them a tip that was good for me was one cop is a good cop and the other one is a stern cop. One cop kind of agree with everything we're saying uh, just to get you to go with him and the other cop being ready if something violent does start to happen. It didn't happen with me, but the good cop, stern cop was good for me. And, you know, the policemen say when I was giving speeches, they say they've never seen a person in recovery. And I tell them that with proper medicine, uh, people function finely with recovery like I do, and there's others like me too. And when I talk to the uh, college students, they want to know the best way to help us. And I say to talk to us in the real world. And I'm able to admit, when I was in a delusional world, common sense helped me pull me out of it to see the light of sanity. And family members, they want to know how I can help their adult children be in recovery. I just tell them for myself, I didn't want to hurt my loyal daughter, my dad, and my sisters anymore. My dad rolled with the punches with me for 12 years during crisis times, and uh, for me, I was able to help him when he had Alzheimer's. My sisters live in another city, so I was here. I visited him four to five days in a nursing home for 10 years, so I like to tell family members, uh, don't count us out.
2: Now that... I. Point you just made about don't count us out. I think that goes back to what Anika was saying and about the way in which love really underlined and underscored and emphasized everything that you both were working towards in an extraordinarily challenging environment. So on that particular point, I'm going to go to the break because we have to do that to pay our rent. Um, but when we come back we're going to be talking much more about these kinds of things so let's go to the break now this is Dr Gordon Atherley and my guests are Anika and Sakina Francis you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River please stay with us we will be back
5: If you're looking for answers and solutions, you don't have to look to expensive treatments, consultations, and methods. All you have to do is listen to your connections Every week, the Dr. Melanie Show will teach you how to do just that. Dr. Melanie Barton will share her gifts and talents and teach you to do the same. And in doing so, find the solutions to the issues in your life that you truly need. You'll learn about holistic and practical health in six key areas. Discover the Dr. Melanie Show, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Anika and Sakina Francis. Our topic is growing up with a mother with schizophrenia. So now let's talk about your experiences of of schizophrenia, both of you. Now, first, Anika, please tell us about your experience of growing up with a mother of schizophrenia. What was it like?
3: You know, honestly, it was like being on an emotional roller coaster that I couldn't get off of. Um, as you mentioned, I was about three years old when my mother was first diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And that first decade of her diagnosis was really, really rough. Um, When I was really little, I didn't really understand what was happening because I was so young. Um, I knew that my mom acted strange at times, but she was the only mother that I knew. Um, But there were a lot of things from that time period that I also blocked out. And I didn't realize this until we started working on the book. Um, I think one of the most painful memories that I blocked out was of a time when I was ripped from her arms and they put her in a straitjacket and I was there just yelling and screaming for them to stop. Um, what I do remember from that experience was ending up in a foster care home. And I was really fortunate because my grandparents came and got me, and I ended up living with them until I was in the sixth grade. And I'm really grateful for them because not only did they give me a stable home, but they also played a big role in helping to keep my mom and I together because she would come there when she was in recovery. And when she'd come home out of the hospital, especially at first, she just slept. All the time. I mean, it seemed like she slept the whole day. So she really didn't do a lot for me. Um, so my grandmother did practically everything for me. And she really shielded me from experiencing the full effects of my mom's illness until she passed away when I was in the third grade. And then it was just my mother, um, myself, and my grandfather. And my mom really stepped up to the plate. So when she was in recovery, it was great. You know, she was much more warm and caring, and she was always really concerned with me and wanted to be involved in my life. But then she would go, she'd stop taking her medicine. And then the next thing I know, it was like schizophrenia just stole my mother away from me. And the mother that I knew was replaced by this really distant and paranoid woman. And my mom would just get, she would think people were ought to get her. She would just start cutting people out of her life. Thankfully, she never did that to me. But as a child, it was really hard for me to watch my mother turn into a different person. And so schizophrenia was really frightening me because i just didn't understand it and my grandparents told me that she had a sickness of the mind i just really didn't know what that meant so for me her disease was really scary um and i just kind of understood it as she was well for a while then she'd get sick she'd go away to the hospital and come back and that was kind of the pattern um, of my mother's illness while i was growing up
2: right sakina please tell us about your experience as a mother with schizophrenia, who also has a growing daughter. Sakina, please. Okay.
4: Well, as far as her staying with me, that's a hard question to answer. Um, When I was off the medicine and untreated, I was not the best mother. And the short time we were by ourselves, I was so sleepy all the time, so I stopped taking the medicine. Now, in hindsight, no one told me I could try a different pill. I just wanted Anika to have the best childhood. I wanted to be there for her. But I was very fortunate because my sisters, after a couple of relapses, they took her to live in Cincinnati under much stable and more conditions. And before this, when Anika was talking about how she was taken from my arms and I was put into a straitjacket, I was taken to a mental hospital. We were kind of out on the streets because I stayed with a friend and she put us out. So I was putting in a straightjacket with Anika, kind of yelling right at me. We were in like a hospital uh, uh, emergency room. Well, when I got to the hospital, I was penniless. I didn't know where Anika was. I had no home, and being in that hospital, I didn't know if I'd ever get out. Well, I told myself the first time out of this locked building, I'm just going to draw myself. Well, the first time out of the locked building, I went. To the lake that they had at the hospital. I walked in there and it was deep, uh, deep over my head and I heard somewhere down in my soul, what happened to my mommy? That was Anika talking to me. I walked out of that lake and I've never tried to try suicide again. And a lot of my peers have children and we're not, we're not, they're not with them and they don't have the good family support I have. And I truly believe With some of my peers that have children, even though they might not be able to raise them, I think that you see them twice a year on their birthday and a holiday. And I truly believe they will try to be harder and good mental health just for their children because a lot of us do live for our children.
2: You certainly lived for Anika Sakina. Now, I want to ask Anika, So tell us, please, about the ways in which you supported your mother and about the effects on you of your mother's illness and of the way you supported her. Anika?
3: Well, when my mother got sick, you know, she would just be in a completely different world, and she stopped taking care of herself to a large, large degree as she also stopped taking care of me. So I became a caregiver at a very young age, which meant I had to grow up really, really quick. Um, And I had to take on a lot of responsibility. This was especially the case in the seventh grade. Um, This was when my mother and I lived alone for the first time in many years. And I was really excited to live with my mom again and kind of feel like a normal kid. And at first, things were great because my mom was on her medicine and we did a lot of different things together. Um, But then she stopped taking her medicine. And slowly but surely, she started getting more paranoid. She started cutting people off. And I remember I would come home from school and she would just, she, there would be all these papers spread out on the table because she would just write these stories. And, you know, and I had to take care of things. I'd have to cook. I had to clean the house. I had to make sure that she was okay. And I was always worried that I would come home and she wouldn't be there. You know, I would worry that she would wander off someplace and maybe not come back. So I ended up playing this role of the parent. Um, and part of that role of being a parent was that you protect loved ones so when my family would call to kind of check on us and you know i would often try to act like my mother wasn't as sick as she was even though i knew she was because i would be up in really close proximity to her and i knew that she was changing but i didn't want her to go to the hospital even though i knew she was better when she came back i always just feared that maybe she wouldn't come back so i never wanted her to go and i i was just in savior mode because i desperately wanted to save my mom and it was really hard for me that I couldn't save her from schizophrenia. And so playing this role of the savior and kind of parent at such a young age made me just overly responsible. You know, I didn't laugh as much as I should have. I didn't play as much. And I carried a lot of worry and stress. Um, and, but I was so used to this, and I was also very accustomed to putting a lot of my emotional needs on the back burner, because I had to tend to my mom because she was often kind of that firing that we had to put out. So there really wasn't a lot of space just for some of my own needs, and I got really used to this. So I kind of say that I would throw my emotional baggage into my emotional junk closet. But the thing about that junk closet is the junk doesn't go anywhere. It just piles up, and that was the case for me for a really long time, and it was a very unhealthy pattern um, that I had in place for, for quite some while in my life.
2: We'll come back to some of those challenges a little bit later. Um, I just want to ask Sakina now, please talk to us, highlight for us, the challenges faced by mothers with schizophrenia who also have growing children. What are those challenges? Well,
4: Well, some things I think that should be done is I think some of these mothers should take parenting classes. And uh, we need to when we have our children with us, we need to learn how to budget money, how to shop and get nutritional food, how to support our children's you know their natural gifts, and uh what kind of men we have in our lives. Um, challenges uh, help a lot if you are not just always at home by yourself. Um, I, I would work or volunteer part-time because it gives us extra money and our children really show, have a little bit more respect for us if they could say that their mother is working. And for me, for volunteering, I went to quite a few paying part-time jobs. Now when I say part-time, I take medicine and when I was taking it, you know, you really, I would get tired so I knew I couldn't work a full-time job. But from volunteering, I got jobs as a bookkeeper, uh, secretary at a senior center, and I was a, had a job at an activity assistant at a nursing home. Um, I worked at the, at, at the airport as a sky cap, and I carried luggage. I met Shirley McLean, Phil Donahue, Stevie Wonder, Patty LaBelle. I got tickets for me and at a concert, and I worked with a bunch of men, so it wasn't like the women. And I felt so good about myself and it showed to Anika and my family that I worked, I had never worked anywhere over seven months and I had worked there seven years. And unfortunately, I thought I was doing so well and stopped taking the pills. That's the challenge that a lot of uh, schizophrenia men and women do. You feel so good, you think you don't need the medicine. Well, this time I lost custody of Anika again. And when I was in long-term recovery, uh, for me, I made sure I talked to her two or three times a week. I was working at, at Skycap and had money every day. I would send her money. It was nice to be able to share with her um, a bit. Ga- old and dreamless for each year she would stay with me for a couple weeks in the summer. So that was so nice. And challenges are different and difficult for schizophrenia mothers because we sometimes can't actually have our children, but we should always stay in their lives.
2: Sakina, just to ask you another thing about this. Um, This is a kind of challenge of a very difficult kind. That is, you work, you are occupying your time, you're fulfilling yourself, you're showing that you're, you can cope, you can work, you can do good things. Then you feel so much better that you stop taking the medications because you feel you don't need them. Well, that's,
4: it, yes, and you, you know the weight gain or the sleepiness, but mainly I was doing so good. You're right, I thought I didn't need it. I was just doing so well. Yeah. But and in hindsight, I know better now.
2: And that's a very important message, isn't it?
4: Yes, another, another thing, when my mother passed, I was, they, they made sure I saw a psychiatrist to make sure everything was okay. Really, and think it's receiving one too. But the psychiatrist started lowering my medication because I was doing so well, and I went back into a relapse with that. Well, years later, a psychiatrist told me, oh, we have a new medicine out for schizophrenia with no side effects. I told that psychiatrist, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <I> and, <agree. laughs> So I stayed on the medicine, and I've still been in recovery. Tremendous. And to find out, next year, the people taking that medicine develop diabetes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now, it's that time again when we have to take the break, but we're going to be coming back. So let's take the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Anika and... Sakina Francis, you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back.
1: By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness.
6: Do you want to know what's really going on these days? each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time.
5: What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune in to the appropriately named Today's Kids. Your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here, and because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Today's Kids. Today's Kids. Your hosts will lead this form of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Anika and Sakina Francis. Our topic is Growing Up with a Mother with Schizophrenia. Now let's talk about the 25 years, because that's what it was, of challenges you both experienced and the ways you overcame those challenges. Sakina, first of all, please tell us about the challenges you experienced as they evolved from the time that schizophrenia first appeared in your life and... When did you first realize that recovery was possible? And what helped you understand that recovery was possible for you? Sakina? Okay.
4: Well, when I was first um, uh, given mental health medicine, I had convulsions in the bed, in the hospital. And I thought all medicine would do that, so I stopped taking the medicine. Now, I really think that there should be a discussion group with me, the family, and psychiatrists. But not, maybe not so much with a crisis person because when we get to that point on our first diagnosis, we're probably pretty 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 out there. But I think that there should be a, a, a discussion group for family members and husbands and wives to tell about the side effects and uh, um, what's the the, the the weight gain. Uh, the sleepiness, uh, what centers to go to, and what the medicine will do in the long run. Now, like I said, it might not be with me, but family members, they're just as confused at first when I, when I was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and I hear that from other family members, and I didn't know that it was a brain disorder. Well, I've changed medicines off and on over the years, and now I have a good medicine that makes me function well. Um, it's a little bit of weight gain, but that's okay. And I have to take naps, too, and that's okay. And for me, I've never stayed in an apartment over a year, and now I've been in the same apartment for 23 years, and that's a very big, I think that's a very big dream of mine and goal of mine. And I look at my sisters, they never really showed me much stigma. And like my father that passed away two years ago When I was on my medicine and stable, they welcomed me back into the fold just like nothing can happen. And it was because of them having confidence in me, I have not missed a day nor an hour of taking my medicine for the last 15 years. And in that 15 years, I even had love in my life for a very nice man for four years until he passed away.
2: So that was when it was the medications that I think got you to understand that recovery was possible for you. Is yes, that right?
4: Very, very much so. Very much so. Because when I, when I was working and uh, stopped taking it, I was seven years in recovery then. And after getting out, and like Anika told me, my mental illness does not just affect me. And I was tired of being in crisis and having my father and my family and sisters, you know, worried about me. And Alika worried about me. I said if, if pills are the only thing, if, if it's a major thing that will keep me uh, uh, like a loving person I am, I will always take it.
2: Right. Now, Anika, please tell us about the challenges you experienced as a child and as a teenager and how you dealt with these. And what was it that helped you deal with these at their various stages, these challenges?
3: Well, I guess one of the biggest challenges that I had was that I really didn't understand what schizophrenia was because it, it also happened when I was so young. So to me, especially when I was little, I just, it was almost like the boogeyman, and it was something that would just jump out and just disrupt everything. And so, you know, I wanted to run from it, but I couldn't run from my mom because I loved her. So in so many ways, I would often have to face just kind of my own monsters that were just created in my mind and kind of in the way that I viewed her illness. Um, And that was just was very stressful for me. But I got used to those really intensely stressful situations, but they took their toll. Um, There were times when, as I look back, that I was definitely depressed, but I think I was really good at masking it. Because I was, I always wanted to appear like I was fine. Um, Everyone expected me to be strong. You know, my mom would have these breakdowns, and, you know, we couldn't both break down. So I needed to be strong for her and myself, and, you know, we couldn't, it just didn't seem like the family could take someone else falling apart. So I would always act like everything was okay, even if it wasn't. Um, And I don't even think that I was willing to admit how hard um, it was for me to myself, let alone others. You know, I would talk to some of my closest friends when I was younger, and they were really supportive of me. But outside of them, I was really good at keeping the secret about what I was really feeling, um, about the fact that I wasn't strong, and about my mom's sickness. And as I got older, I really began to realize just how different I was from the other little kids who lived with their parents because I lived with my grandfather and then eventually with my aunt and uncle. So I always felt different. And it can be really hard to be different as a kid because, you know, kids can be really cruel. And I was always so worried that they would tease me about my mom's mental illness. And that never happened, but I just had this huge fear that it would. Um, But thankfully, I did have some strong support systems in my life. You know, my family was really there for me. And I was really grateful to my grandparents. And after my grandmother passed away, my grandfather really stepped up. And he was like the rock for me as well as my mom. And just knowing that I could always depend on him no matter what was a really deep comfort for me, and I really needed that. Um, When I was in high school and I lived with my aunt and my uncle, they provided a very loving and a stable home for me, and it just gave me a foundation that I needed. Um, Some of the other things that I did to cope, I love to read and write, and I always have, and I still do. And it was a way that I could kind of escape things. So I could go read a book or I would write these really long stories. And my mom always encouraged my creative side. And at the time, I'd be like, well, why do we have to go to the art museum? And she'd sign me up for these classes. But I was really glad that she did because kind of having met those, that artistic side really let me get some of those things that I held in out. Um, and I needed to have that space to do that.
2: Right. Sakina, you've been successful in your career throughout your recovery. Now, you've emphasized the importance of your medicines in helping you. What were the other things that helped you be successful in your recovery and your career? Sakina?
4: Okay. Well, Dr. Adderley, um, my dad put a, a very much work ethic in all of his children that, that stayed with me all my life. I think, uh, volunteering, working, or being around people at a center is very important. I remember the first time I went to a center when I was coming back to Cleveland, uh, probably, uh, 23 years ago, or tw- longer than that, uh, I was sleeping so much and my peers said, you're uh, probably over-medicated because you're sleeping too much. And when I went to see my psychiatrist, I told him, and he lowered it a little bit, and I kind of woke up. So I think being around people and uh, uh, at centers or volunteering is very healthy. Uh, now, when I started with NAMI, they have a lot of opportunities for um peers, family, and friends as far as groups go. They have separate groups. And when I go to, I sometimes go to the last session of the family group because they want to hear from a consumer like the ones that they have. And I enjoy talking to them because my father was very patient with me. And um, I try to tell them, you know, you can't let us cross a line and, Tell them what my father, you know, did for me. And when I was mentally not stable, my father had – he, he was not – there was no monkey business. I had to be out and at a hospital. When I came back after, like I said, taking the medicine stable again, my father welcomed me back with open arms, and I love that. And I just love talking about my recovery and in my speeches and with family members, they love hearing about it. And what I like to say now is my occupation is my recreation.
2: Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Uh, It's joyful. It's joyful. Now, Anika, you've been also successful in your career. Um, What were the things that helped you most in achieving that success?
3: Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I have to say that I probably look at success much differently now than I did when I was young. When I was young, success for me was all about achievement. I had this need to prove to myself and just to the world that you know, I didn't have to be held back because of my childhood. And I felt that I had to really prove my worth. And I think also because I didn't live with my parents that I also thought that I had to earn my keep. And this was just totally in my head. No one ever said this to me or anything like that, but it gave me this really intense drive and focus. Um, When my mom was sick, I could become extremely focused. And I was able to kind of take this laser-like focus that I had and direct it into my schoolwork. And that really helped me a lot because I had not only this intense drive and focus, but I was really strong because I had to learn how to really tap into my own inner strength. So I knew that if there was something that I wanted to do, that I could do it. And I really believed in myself, and my family did too. And this ended up being something that really helped me to to be very successful. Um, One of the other things that was important was When I was in high school, my mom had her first long-term recovery, and just knowing that she was doing okay, um, and I didn't have to be as worried about her, really gave me that okay just to kind of focus on things in my own life, and at that time, I was going to a pretty elite private school um, in Cincinnati, Ohio. I had won a scholarship, and I did really well there, and I was involved in all these organizations and It opened up the way for me to go to the University of Pennsylvania, which is an Ivy League college, and I graduated from there, magna cum laude. And schoolwork and just that need to kind of be focused and achieve was just my thing from my childhood because I was trying to prove so much. But, you know, after a while, that need to always be achieving things became very tiring. So now I look at my success much differently. I really measure it now in terms of my happiness um, my sense of peace, as well as my connection to spirit, just to something greater. And so I had to do a lot of healing work, a lot of work that I hadn't done for a long time because I didn't realize that I really needed to. And those are kind of that that more quiet part of, like, success um, that I think often gets overlooked, but that has created a much more healthy um, just experience for me and I think will really kind of create that foundation for the successes that I will have just in the rest of my life
2: a kind of calm overtook you. Is that right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, much more so, I would say.
2: Yeah. And you see, that comes back to the love between the two of you because Sakina, your mom, has had a successful career and is continuing to have a successful career because she reached her own understanding with the things like medications and what families should do and how families support each other. And... You have been successful, I think, I would like to suggest this, uh, in part because of that sense of calm and supportiveness and the sense that family caregiving was the entire family. That is, you were all caring for each other. And that, I would suggest to you, and we'll maybe talk about this later, uh, is, is another factor that... I think should be stressed. That is the value of family caregiving within the family as a whole to produce that kind of calm and if you like, confidence that all is going to, there's going to be recovery and all is going to work out well. Now, on that point, I'm going to take the break because it's that time again. This is Dr. Gordon Averley and my guests are Anika and Sakina Francis. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back.
5: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.
0: When you talk about the subject of bullying, it's not just the person being bullied who is dealing with complicated issues. It's also parents and teachers. Bullying has even taken a new turn with social networking, negative images, and even reality TV. Tune in to One Word Nation Radio with host Jessica Brookshire. We'll put the issue of bullying front and center, going beyond the classrooms and hallways of our schools to help empower and protect youth and their families. Listen every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
6: Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice
5: America Business Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite
2: and Anita Anika and Sakina Francis. Our topic is growing up with a mother with schizophrenia. Now let's talk, both of you please, about ways to increase help for children growing up with mothers with schizophrenia and for their mothers. Now first of all, Anika, what do you want to do and see done to increase help for children growing up with a mother with schizophrenia? Anika?
3: Well, part of the reason that I wrote my book was because I felt like there really wasn't a lot of focus or attention given to children who grew up, as I did, with a parent with a severe mental illness. Um, You know, research has shown that children with parents with mental illness tend to have more psychological and emotional as well as behavioral issues. You know, we already know they're at risk for possibly becoming wards of the state, um, for having all kinds of issues. And yet, you know, it's not something that you hear much about. You know, I'd really like to see more services, more research done to find out, you know, what do these children need, what helps to, them to cope, what kind of supports are out there. Um, I think for myself, one of the things that's really important is giving these children some tools and some outlets to express um, their own emotions and giving them some tools to deal with that stress. You know, for me now, yoga is something that has been very important. I think different forms of therapy, um, also just some different ways to even just have fun. Know that they're not alone and that it's okay, I think is is really important too. Uh, I think another piece of this is that we need to change the way that we may look at people with mental illness. I think when you have a severe mental illness, people just tend to see the illness and they forget that this is a person, you know, who might be a mother or a daughter or a parent. And so a lot of the services are just focused on that illness without sometimes taking into account the web of people connected to them. So I think it's uh, I think it's two-pronged.
2: Right. Sakina, what do you want to do and to see done to increase help for mothers with schizophrenia who have children growing up with them? Sakina.
4: Well, Dr. Emily, um, like I said before, I think uh, parenting classes are needed. And when we get our children... Uh, we should know the names and locations. Something as simple as food banks. Sometimes you know you run out of food. Um, you have to know to try to live in a nice neighborhood for your cho- for your children. And mother and children should go on fun trips. Like in the winter, if you're in a, a snow state. Sledding and the art museum or the library and children were like doing this with the mother and it's all free. Um, I had two mental health centers I belonged to and they had overnight trips to Niagara Falls and another one had a couple trips to this off season, uh, uh, Girl Scouts retreat. Uh, they had Christmas parties, bowling, but the bad part about it, these centers did not include children and they should include children because that's 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 the fun part of raising. Um and raising children is serious. And I, I kinda alienated my family, but they wanted to help. And when I started coming back in, letting them help, they love being around Anika, they like buying her clothes and they helped help me out. They would give money at the end of the month when money is tight. So it's nice to let your family help you with raising this, raising children. Because for mothers, and I don't care if they're schizophrenia mothers or what, the most important job in our life is to raise emotionally healthy children. Yeah.
2: Now, I'm going to ask you both same, basically the same question, what your message is. And first of all, Anika, what's your message for children of parents with schizophrenia and for family caregivers, for loved ones with schizophrenia? Anika?
3: Well, Dr. Atherley, the, que- the message that I have for children is that you have the power to choose what you want your life to be. Um, just because... You have a difficult childhood that doesn't have to define your whole life. And to me, that's really important to remember because when you grow up with a parent with schizophrenia, it definitely means that you're going to take some knocks. And the question is what you do when life knocks you down. And I've learned in my own life that even in the worst of situations, that there can be an opportunity. And I really think that in those opportunities, there's that chance to really dig deep to find that resilience. And to me, resilience is that ability to get back up And I think it's kind of that X factor that people kind of overlook when they look at trying to to help people because I think so much of the focus is always external, and there's certainly a need for that. But when it talks about resilience, you really have to go inside to find that um, because that can be something that's buried really deep. But that to me can be that key is sometimes being able to look inside yourself um, and to know that you do have what you need to kind of get through that, but sometimes you have to dig deep for it. The message that I'd have to family, um, it, it goes back to that power of love. You know, that love can really make a difference, and it can be hard sometimes to hold on to that when you're just in the throes of really dealing with the effects of a, a serious mental illness because those are really serious, and it's, it's tough. Um, but to sometimes just to be able to hold on to that love, it can really see you through those times, and you never know what that can yield and the seeds that that can actually um, bear. But that said, um, I also think that it's really important to still have some balance because I think you can get so focused on supporting someone else. And if you don't take the time to also make sure that you're healing and doing things that rejuvenate you, then you can also get depleted and then you don't have as much to give the other people that you need to support in your life.
2: Right. Sakina, what's your message for mothers recovering from schizophrenia and for children of mothers with schizophrenia?
4: with mothers of schizophrenia um recovering mothers can have a relapse uh it's a small percentage worldwide of schizophrenia but you have a small percentage of mothers too and uh for children if your mother crosses the mental health line uh what i did i took a new out of school for a week and that's going across the line and when you do things like this, there's always a family member watching, wanting to help, wanting to take them you know, take them in. Or for children, if something like this happens to you, talk to a teacher at school, somebody that will be interested in kind of helping you. I think kind of the worst thing to do is when you see a brain deteriorate in us. And one thing I did with Anika was I uh, we lived in our own place, and I wanted her to have the best childhood, but like I said, I was sleeping so much. Well, the toilet in our, our apartment uh, stopped working, and I wouldn't call the repairman. That didn't make sense. And um, children have to know things like that is not your fault. And children have to know you can't save us if we're not ready. And I want to tell children, don't try to be so loyal that you become a silent sufferer. Thank you.
2: You know, to both of you, um, what I've learn from you, listening to you, is that there's life, there's love, and medications are important, but if we only concentrate only on the illness, we're missing the life and the love and the whole family caregiving that you both have described and experienced and benefited from. Um, that's the message I'm taking away from you. Now, just very quickly, because time's running out, am I right? Do you agree with me, Anika, first?
3: Yeah, I, I definitely do. You know, I think it's, it's so multidimensional, and it can be so easy just to focus on that one piece. But like you said, there, my mother wasn't always sick, and there were those loving times and remembering those and holding on to those. And that was some of the things that really helped her in her recovery and helped me in, in mine, too.
2: Right. Really Sakina, what do you think? okay what was the
4: question again
2: it was this question of life love and medications now medications are important life and love is vital but if all we do is concentrate on the illness we miss the life and love do you agree with that
4: i agree with that i agree with that and that's why I, I know I keep talking about working, but it gives you such a, it gives me such a good feeling inside. And you're around different people and it gives you, uh, support to say, I could be in recovery. And now I mean, you see you know, you see others in recovery. Like the police have said, they had never seen anyone not in crisis. they plenty out there not in crisis. And, Recovery makes me feel good, family feel good. Uh, if it means taking medicine and uh, going to centers, it's worth it.
2: Yeah, that's it. Now, um, we unfortunately, have come to the end of this incredibly important episode, so I want to say thank you very much to Anika and Sakina for talking so openly about your experience, sharing with you your understandings, and also giving advice to us all about the success, the ways of success that you've both experienced and developed. So I want to say to both of you, just continue your success in what you're doing. I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our Uh, listeners i'd like to hear about ideas for topics if you're interested in being a guest on the show in in our next episode we'll talk about active living alliance and attitudes to activity please join us same time same spot on the internet talk to them
0: thank you again for joining us this week for family caregivers unite with your host dr gordon atherley